Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. It's Julie Henricus, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am really thrilled to welcome Nancy J. Cohen to the podcast this week. Nancy writes the Bad Hair Day Mysteries featuring South Florida hairstylist Marla Vale. Her books have been named Best Cozy Mysteries by Suspense Magazine, won the Reader's Favorite and FAPA President's Book Awards, the Roan Award, the Royal Palm Literary Award, and Ian Book of the Year. She's placed first in the Chancellor International Book Awards and third in the Arizona Literary Awards. Active in the writing community, Nancy is a past president of the Florida chapter of Mystery Writers of America. When not busy writing, she enjoys reading, fine dining, cruising, and visiting Disney World. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Julie. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to talk to you, um, but let's start where I always start on these podcasts and ask you, when did you tell yourself or decide that you wanted to write a novel? Well, way back in the early days, naturally, I started with poetry, short stories, uh, and a play that was like a Shakespearean play. But then when I was in grad school for nursing, I decided I wanted to write a novel, and I bought a book called Structuring Your Novel that went step-by-step step through each stage of how to write one, and that's really what taught me how to write an entire book. So that was very helpful. And did you, as you were, um, you bought the book, you're looking at your nursing school, which is an interesting um, <laughs> uh, journey as well, I'm sure. But did how else did you develop your craft? Did you take that novel and immediately start or did you take classes as well? Or, or how did you start building the craft? I got Writer's Digest a subscription for years and years. So I was already reading um, how-to magazines. And of course, we didn't have the internet in those days. So books and writing magazines were the only resources. I started collecting my library, my how-to library, and just really reading everything that I could. And then in, um, well, this is after the fact. Yeah, so then I wrote that novel, and I wrote six more, and the seventh one is the one I stole. So... um so six in the, in, it, it, we often talk about on this podcast that writing a novel is the best way to learn how to write a mm -hmm. novel. And then writing the second one is always better than the first <laughs> and everything else. So was it always um, crime fiction for you or did you write in other genres as well? Those were really romantic suspense or romantic mysteries. Uh, in 1988, this dates me, I know, I joined the Florida Romance Writers and got into a critique group, and that's really what propelled me forward. Uh, wrote a, I wrote, I think, books four, five, and six in the critique group, and then one of my partners who was published said, you're a Star Trek fan, you like to read romance, why don't you write a, uh, they were called futuristic romance back then, 
which I did. And that one sold to Dorchester within six months. And that's how I started, started the wow. published career. Wow. Um, a futuristic romance. Uh, romance Writers of America, uh, you know, has uh, started a lot of careers because of their critique groups and, and um, all different um, ways of supporting folks. What moved you into mysteries? Uh, mysteries, I was putting a mystery into my romances at that point, and I have eight science fiction fantasy romances out there. Um, and my agent said, would you think about writing a great mystery? I thought about it, and I really did like the plotting aspect of, of Cozy's. I liked plotting, figuring out who the suspects were and what their interrelationships are. So the next step would be finding a sleuth whose career hadn't already been done, because <clears throat> you want to be somewhat unique. And I couldn't recall anybody doing um, something fun to research as well was another requirement. And then I was sitting in the salon one day getting a perm, looking at the other ladies, staring at the space, waiting while their hair processed. And I thought, we need to kill off one of these ladies. <laughs> and what better place for a background than a hair salon? That's, that's what gave me the idea. <laughs> and when did that first, um, that first book in that series come out? 1999. Wow. So how many books are in the series? There's 18 books in the series, plus a short story, a novella, and a cookbook. <laughs> um, and I want to talk to you about the difference between writing short stories, novellas, and books. That's a conversation. But when you, you know, start writing romantic suspense, that's different than a romance uh, mystery with romance. Mm -hmm. Um, and the plotting element and everything else. Did you um, did you have to unlearn some of the romance structures or tropes, or did it? Did you find that the translation worked well for you? Well, any anything uh, happens behind closed doors in a mystery that's going to happen on the page in the romance. <laughs> so that had to be toned down. But romantic suspense, you have equal parts romance and equal parts mystery. The, the mystery part gets solved first, and then the romance is concluded. Romantic mystery is different in that there's a romantic element, but the main focus is on the whodunit and solving the puzzle. Did When you were writing your... Um you know, the Bad Hair Day series, did you find that having written a series in romance helped you avoid the pitfalls of setting up a cozy series, of rushing anything or, or you know, dumping too much information or getting you into corners you couldn't get out of after a while? Well, it was very important to lay the groundwork for book one because book one sets the tone and um, your setting, your characters, all of that for the entire series. So it's very important you take your time with that and get it right. You also have to want to spend time with these characters for however many books you're going to have in your series. Uh, and fun things to research as well to keep yourself stimulated. So all those things I would say I learned that, that book one, you need to get it right and the others will follow. 
And you need a good hook with a cozy series. So you, you had a great premise, you know, that here's someone, but what was the hook? What about this character would, would get people to, to want to follow her exploits? Marla's a very nurturing character. She cares a great deal about her customers and she believes making them look good also makes them feel good. So she's somebody who cares a lot about people and in that respect, Hopefully, my fans will care about her as well. Yeah, and her journeys and her her adventures, mm-hmm. <laughs> which are so much fun to read, and I'm sure to write as well. Do you mm-hmm. find that 18 books in is it challenging to keep it fresh, or are you, you know, do you still have miles and miles to go with her? Right now, I'm taking a break and working on something else. Um, for me, it's not so much about the ideas. It's where Marla is in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a, I think it's so. Now I forget how old she is. She has a kid. She got married. She has a child. All of this evolves through the course of the series. And she may be pregnant again. Uh, and after seeing my own daughter and have her baby and how totally involved she was and busy and no sleep and all yeah. of this it's hard for me to think of marla going out sleuthing at the same time <laughs> so that's the difficulty i'm having now uh, yeah. which influences what i'm gonna do next yeah i would imagine um and that's a good you know cozies are heightened reality but they also are reality people need to connect mm-hmm. and so that that if that is challenging mm-hmm. So you're working on something new. You've worked, you've written all of these books. Talk to me about your process and how, how that's evolved. You said that you enjoyed plotting mysteries uh, or plotting so that you figured this would be good for mysteries. But have you evolved over time as to how you work? What, tell me how you write a book, Nancy. <laughs> well, initially, um, and, and by the way, if Writing the Cozy Mystery is another thing that I've written, and it details this entire process. But I used to have a plotting board. I used to divide a poster into different squares for each chapter and stick up post-it notes on different plot points and then fill it in as I went along. Now I don't need to do that. Um, I do keep a chapter outline for the timeline, because I get so entirely mixed up on what day it is and what time of the day it is and how many weeks have passed. So I I need that written down. But I'm not as rigid in terms of um, following the synopsis. I do write a synopsis ahead of time, but I'm not rigid in following it. The story can go in its own direction, and then I'll just go back and rewrite that. So it's I don't have to spell out how to go from A to B to C to D. I might spell out A to D and and fill it in as I go along. And, and your writing you, always gets better, too, as you go from book to book. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that, or, or especially when you're starting out, you think you have to perfect that first book. And it's like, no, your first, your second book's going to be better than your first book, but you wrote a book. So mm-hmm. enjoy that. Um, do you, when you start your novel, do you know who did it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know who the suspects are? Yes. I have to have all of that in my head before I will start. 
So character development comes first. Well, actually, I picked the victim first. Then determine who might have had a reason to want that person dead. So you determine the, the suspects are friends, colleagues, family people. And you give each one a secret or a motive. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you try to interconnect the people to each other. That's, that's the fun part. <laughs> what, what secrets they're hiding. How do they connect to each other? And um, I divide my books into thirds. So the first third is the, the crime and the introduction of the suspects. The second half is, or the second two thirds is um, all the suspects have secrets. So we get deeper into investigating each person, interview each person separately. And finally, everything starts to unravel in the last third. And, uh, that's how I structure them. Um, and so, so the secrets and motives, I love that. And I think that, that this is something that's such an, a great thing for folks to think about as you're developing characters, you know, they have secrets mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that the reader doesn't may find out, may not find out completely, but also protecting those secrets mm-hmm. makes them act a certain way. And that's that. Again, you don't have to spell it out, but as the author, you need to understand all of that and and oh, really yeah. and how that would affect them, like keeping mm-hmm. secret. Some of that comes about through your subconscious too. You have to trust story magic is going to appear as you're writing the book. Things are going to pop into your head, and that's a thrilling a chilling moment because that could take your story in a new direction. Yeah. And sometimes those connections between characters can all of a sudden be like, Oh, look at that. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Now, do you, you've written long series. Have you, you written standalones or, or thought about writing standalones? The one I'm working on now could be a standalone alone, or could be a springboard for, more books. I haven't decided yet. I guess I'm waiting to see because I do want to do some more um, Bad Hair Day shorter books. I'd like to do some um, holiday themed novellas next. And I could place those in different timelines within the series. It doesn't have to always be a sequel. So yeah, yeah. these are different different projects to think about. But I like series. Oh, I have done standalones in my uh, science fiction romances. There's two trilogies and two standalones. And did you, um, did you, world building for a standalone is a lot of work because you have to, it's got to deliver the whole world and the whole story in one book, whereas you can build in a series. But did you enjoy that process? Well, I loved it for the ones I did. Uh, One of them is, Keeper of the Rings, this is the one that actually taught me how to write a murder mystery because it involves uh, a p- different planet and everybody worships the same uh, god. Um, they have a religious ceremony that renews the crops and the weather for the year, but the sacred artifact that is needed for this renewal is stolen. And the only people who had access to it are the 12 members of the ruling council. So they're all suspects and they all have secrets. And there doesn't even have to be a murder. Um, it's the same oh, yeah. process. Yeah. So that was fun. 
Well, and I would imagine that world building, like completely world building, like with its, you know, setting up new structures and new ideas must be incredibly difficult, but also um, freeing in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Um, not so much the setting as the characters to start totally fresh and have to develop new protagonists. That part would be the hardest for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's easy once you've developed the series and you keep writing sequels because you know the people. They're like friends. Uh, But starting over new and fresh is more difficult. Yeah. And you um, mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago that you were going to write some Bad Hair Day novellas. So you mentioned short stories, novellas, and and obviously novels. So let's talk about those different lengths because I think that they're challenging. I think not everyone can write all three. <laughs> um, writing a short story is completely different than writing a novel. And that novella is what, 30,000, 20 to 30,000 yeah. words? Mm-hmm. Um, which I, a lot of my novelist friends love that length. I mean, cause it's, it's lean and it's, mm-hmm. it delivers, but you can mm-hmm. still build a little bit. Um, do you, what are the challenges with each of those lengths for you? I'm not a great story, short story writer, so I've only written one. And that idea actually came to me in a dream which some of my ideas do, and I liked it enough that I wrote it up and it fit within two of my books and my series. Uh, so that's the only short story I've written. It, it's very, very challenging, especially to come up with a twist at the end. Yeah. So that, to me, is the most challenging part in, in that length. For novellas, uh, the one I wrote is my Halloween story, Haunted Hair Nights. And um, that was involving Marla's stepdaughter's school haunted house project. They find a dead body when they're decorating the house. So that one came together pretty easily. Other times I've tried novellas, they end up being full-length books. I just can't help myself. (laughs) And uh, so we'll see what happens if I try again. (laughs) Um, I'm going to circle back to something that you said a couple of times. For listeners, uh, members of Sisters in Crime, Nancy did a tremendous um, masterclass for um, us uh, recently called uh, Book Promotion on a Budget, which was chock full of information and actionable things and just tons of stuff to think about as you're thinking about promoting your book, because we all need to market no matter no matter what, how you're publishing or, or anything else. But I love that I've heard you mention the magic, story magic, and then an idea came to you in a dream. So can you talk about that part? Because, you know, your master class was so practical. <laughs> I mean, it was an hour of practical mm-hmm. advice. And obviously you are and you're incredibly successful. But to talk about the, the magic side of, of writing. Well, my, the idea for my first published book actually came to me in a dream. It was very detailed, and when I woke up, it was so good I couldn't let it go. I had to write write it as a novel. Uh, tremendous fun, and that's the book that sold. So you could see my passion was in that story. Yeah. Uh, and some of my other books too, I've had scenes or the storyline inspired by dreams. 
Uh, if, if an idea comes to you in a dream and you want to finish it, go ahead <laughs> because yeah. it will just add to the magic, so to speak. Your subconscious is always working for you. And even when you're working on a book, if you, you might want to think about a scene before you go to sleep or your book or your characters, and even if it doesn't come in a dream, you might get an idea when you're in a semi-conscious state. Or when you take a walk or go for a shower, this thing is going to pop in your head. You'll go, whoa, why didn't I think of that before? That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and trusting your subconscious and not fighting it is, is yeah. also part of the process, um, which it comes in time as well. But it's, you know, sometimes your subcon subconscious will tell you something about it and you don't want that to you don't want to write that book or you don't want that to happen mm -hmm. to the character but you need to listen a little bit mm -hmm. yeah sure you can always write it and, and change it if you don't like it too what's the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten <laughs> well this was at a formal dinner dance at one of my husband's events and the um the wife of another colleague of his said when I we were talking about writing and stuff and she told me you don't have enough life experience to be a writer because I was young at the time that always stuck in my mind because we don't necessarily write well now I do write about our life experiences we write about the feelings that we have mm -hmm. over the course of our lives and we all have experiences in that regard so emotions are what we focus on uh, the adventures and other things that we have can go into our books, too. But she was totally wrong, I'm happy to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, that goes along with write what you know, um, that, you know, you can also research and find out and talk to people and, you know, figure stuff out. So I think that 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 offers a lot of folks some some freedom to think about things. What's the best piece of writing advice you've either gotten or that you give folks? What do you like to tell people about writing? Uh, be professional at all times. Uh, be nice to other authors. Respect the editors and the agents. Don't chase them into the bathroom. Don't bring <laughs> your manuscript to conferences. Uh, support your fellow authors. Repost their Facebook posts, retweet their stuff, uh, leave comments on their posts, uh, because what you give out comes back to you eventually. So always be polite, pleasant, and professional. And persevere. Uh, don't give up. Never give up. Never surrender. That's from <laughs> Galaxy Quest, one of my favorite movies. Uh, because if you're persistent and professional and you keep at it, you will succeed. I, I truly believe that. And in your um, publishing life, um, you know, so much has changed even in the past 10 years, never mind, you know, since you, you first started <laughs> um, being published. So can you, um, what did you think your publishing journey was going to be like and what surprised you about it? I think you have a concept that publishers are going to do a lot more for you than they actually do. It's um, today they do. They do help you get major reviews. They do help get some book bub deals and ads um, and perhaps some author interviews. But I was pretty much on my own aside from a few things. So you have to learn as much about marketing as you can. 
because you're you can't rely on your publisher and who knows how long your publisher is going to be there or your editor is going to be there or your mystery line is going to be there uh so you need to look after yourself in that respect and make your own uh promotional opportunities yeah and 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 marketing obviously something that you're good at and you you know you um you offer advice on for folks uh, but sometimes authors don't want to market or they don't um, they don't want to have to. Can you talk about that and and how folks can sort of um, be comfortable with what they're doing, but also the need to to market? I think uh, first of all, connect yourself with the writing community. This is very critically important because everything I've learned, I have learned from other authors. So join the listservs of your writing organizations, participate in workshops, go to conferences, and be like a sponge. Uh, what other authors are doing, take notes, even start files on it. So when you're ready to do something, you already have a list of instructions. Um, and start with things that you enjoy doing. Focus on one thing at a time. Don't feel you have to do everything out there because that's impossible. Uh, just do, do the things that you really like doing. Like I commute, I like communicating with my readers on Facebook. That's mm -hmm. fun. Uh, we have interactions and I enjoy that. I have not been on TikTok yet because videos mm, are not my thing. <laughs> uh, someday I might, but right now I'm not. So you, you have to pick and choose. Yeah. And, and it is an opportunity um, to connect with readers and and word of mouth is the best form of marketing um, you know uh, no matter what so those connections can have can help in a lot of different ways yeah we didn't have the direct connection with readers back when I started this is only since social media came about and yeah. it's a tremendous opportunity because you can pass by the middleman which is the publishers and the agents and speak directly to your readers. You can also ask them for advice. You can ask for their opinions on, on things about your characters, your setting, your next story, uh, and, and really get advice that's meaningful. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think social media has changed so much as far as leveling, you know, from a pyramid, it's sort of flattened things out so that you can, you don't have to have a go-between. Um, you can directly work with readers. Um, and it's also the past few years, um, given very um, successful other channels for publishing, um, for, you know, getting your work out there or or for thinking about, you know, uh, how you want to build a career. And that's been an exciting opportunity for folks as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's the, um, like Wattpad and different sites where you can post your published work and get opinion and build up readerships. There is... Um, I forget what you call it. It's on Kindle. Uh, Kindle Della, not sure. But there's multiple opportunities online to post your work and get feedback. Yeah. Um, and I, I also really uh, respond to your be professional. Um, uh, you know, all the time you never know who you're talking to mm -hmm. or... 
who knows who, because it is a small world once you're, you're, you know, you get to know some folks. And, and so always, always act as though everyone can hear everything you're saying. Mm -hmm. That is true. I also avoid politics and religion on any of my posts, uh, whoever tempting it is. I I just feel that that's not part of our public persona. Mm -hmm. And yes, people are, you want to leave a certain impression for your readers. So you talked about community and, and, you know, joining the community. You know, and Sisters in Crime specifically um, is a is a community building and figuring out other ways of, of doing that with SyncLink and things like that. But can we talk a little bit more about community and how the unexpected need for it and the benefits of being in a community? Because I think a lot of folks wait until they get that first contract to join an organization like Sisters in Crime or MWA. And you shouldn't wait. You should join Mm -hmm. as soon as you start thinking, gosh, I'd like to write. (laughs) Join a group. Very, very true. Uh, Communities are critically important no matter what stage you're in. In the beginning, you get to know other writers. You can take workshops. You can learn about the business aspects, even though you're not there yet, because you want to be prepared when you do get published uh, and start doing as much of this as you can ahead of time. It's uh, um, so many opportunities will come your way just from networking with other writers. It's one of the most important influences I've had on my career. And Sisters in Crime is great. Uh, coming from especially being a romance writer because you're writing for women by women and it's it's similar or it was and now of course we have men in in the group as well uh, but and even cozy writers can sometimes feel uh, put down upon so that was very important for this organization which is powerful and helpful in that regard. Yeah, there is a gen- genre bias against cozies um, that persists um, and can be incredibly frustrating because cozies, first of all, sell very well. Um, but also um, readers are, are rabid fans of cozies and incredibly they read across genres, but they they love cozies and, and respond well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you did write a book and I'm going to put it in, um, in the show notes about writing a cozy, but what in particular about the genre do you love? I love cozies because of the happy ending and a fairly lighthearted story, which, you know, is going to be fun, especially if it has some humor or romance. There's no graphic sex or violence, so they're clean reads and they can be read by most ages. So you know exactly what type of book you're going to get. The puzzle is a thing, too. The reader likes to solve the whodunit along with the sleuth. And sometimes the characters in the setting are just as important as whatever mystery there's going to be in that particular book. Absolutely. Um, And they're tonic for the times um, (laughs) in addition to everything else. Um, So you talked about this a little bit more um, before, but let's talk more about it. What's what what are you working on now? What's next for you? I am working on another mystery, cozy mystery that instead of South Florida, where the bad hair day stories take place, um, this one takes place in central Florida, which we moved here a little less than 
three years ago. So it's easier, lots of new stuff to research. Um, different idea. It's not a cooking, it's not a crafts, it's not, you know, not any of those that you can peg that way. So that's where I'm not sure about the hook, which is why I'm not sure if it'll be a standalone or a series or how many more books I want to do because I still want to go back to Marla and do the those books too. It's too many, too many things to do, not enough time. There's always that conundrum. How how many books do you write a year typically, or do you, or put another way, can you work on several projects at once, or do you completely focus start to finish and then move to the next project? Start to finish, then move to the next project. I can only do one at a time, and I have to write chronologically. And then um, after my draft, I will go back and do several revisions. This is this is why it takes me a long time to do a book. I'm not fast. My books are about 85,000 words. Yeah. I do go after them in acute detail for revisions, several rounds. Then it goes out to my professional editor and to my beta readers through my critique group, naturally, and more rounds of revision until I feel it's ready to present to the world. So it takes me a year, I would say a year per book okay. at this point. Yeah. And 85,000 words is um, is on the longer side for a cozy. I mean, uh, you know, they they, mm-hmm. they can go, yeah. there's a huge range, mm-hmm. but, you know, 70 to 100,000 mm-hmm. words in there. But 85,000 words is a good, solid, good, solid <laughs> amount of words. <laughs> I know. And the one I'm working on is even longer. I need to cut it back. I just can't help myself I don't know so we'll see <laughs> well who knows right I mean maybe it will switch genres or, or something else will happen and it will get there so just as we're winding this conversation up what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you know now that you think might be helpful for folks just starting on their writing journey well, back then we only had choice of being with a publisher a traditional publisher and there was one time when I asked for an extension, which I wish I hadn't done because then they did not renew my option book, but I had tendonitis and I couldn't type uh, until I figured out how I was going to do it. That's before there was voice recognition too. Uh, so that's one thing, unless you're desperate, I wouldn't ask for an extension if you have a publisher. The choices today are totally different because now you can self-publish your work. You can get a small press. Uh, I would I would suggest starting out trying to get a publisher if it's your first book, because it'll give you those credentials, even if it's small press, which can be very nice to work with, too, uh, to try that first and um, then to go the self-publishing route. Unless you're really, really great at branding and marketing, which some self-published authors are. I mean, there's some indie authors who do a great job with their series, and I I admire them deeply for having that savvy that that they can do that. Yeah, and when you're when you're an indie author, you are running your own publishing house in addition mm-hmm. to writing, and that's a huge skill set and a big lift. And there's lots of ways to learn how to do the different parts, but um, but it's it is challenging to do it all well as you're trying to. You know, <laughs> it's a different hat <laughs> for sure. Well, Nancy. 
I'm going to suggest that folks find your web, uh, your masterclass in the webinar archives for Sisters in Crime. Um, but thank you so much for a great conversation and uh, for being a member of SYNC. Thank you, Julie. And thanks for doing this podcast, too. They're always helpful to people to listen to new ideas and new techniques. So thank you as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.